Hi everyone, I'm Kari. Hello everyone, I am Bree. Hey everyone, I'm Annalisa. And this is CSI. year first of all we hope you had a great holiday season with your family or your friends and today we're gonna be doing something a bit different something that we came up with it's called a debate episode and we're gonna have a theme or question you know one of us is going to be for and the other is going to be against and someone else is going to be the moderator in today's episode the theme is Grissom was a good supervisor. I'm going to be trash talking him and Anna is going to be defending him and Bree is going to be the moderator. Also, I think we should set timers for our... Okay, our like... Which is, I'm going to be the prosecutor. Oh, Logan well, is going to be the defense attorney. Is anybody <laughs> surprised? No, nobody's surprised. And, <laughs> and Bree is going to be the judge. <laughs> I love I love when you explain it that way. So it's not always going to be like this, you know. We're going we're going to trade and change and change the theme. You can also suggest the theme. But right now, let's let's judge. Begin the session, judge. And then uh, for some of us who didn't debate um, in school, I don't know the rules. That's why <laughs> yeah, I didn't so. debate either. I just watched some of it, and I think the best argument wins, which means that Bree is going to decide which yes. argument is better. I mean, no, just flat out saying Grism is a dumbass. For five facts. Oh my god, really? Card's like, well, fuck, there goes my entire uh, 10 minutes. For five facts. There, there goes my entire argument. <laughs> you gotta have a factual, a factual argument. Oh, okay, I'm going to have a factual argument. Can I call okay, him so, a dumbass? You know, the fact is not him being a dumbass. You can start there. You can start there and branch out. We get the time. The, the same time, and then you said we can intervene, like object. Yeah, yeah, purpose, like, like objection, you know, all that. How um, many objections do we get to it? Do we have, do we have, do, should we cap it? I don't know. Can we? Do like two, two per, per, two or three per, per like argument? ten minutes. Yeah. Yeah. And then you have to like defend. Okay, so judge, begin the session, judge. Who's going first? I don't know who goes first in this. 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 No, but Google can do it for me. Okay, I got it. Ready? Ready? Heads or tails? Uh, tails. Okay. I got tails. Nice flipping. I got heads. We'll do it again. <laughs> All right, we got tails, and then we'll do it a third time. Whoever gets this goes. <laughs> and tails. And I got tails twice and heads once. So yeah. Okay. Okay, so I guess the prosecutor begins. It is me. All right, I'll start a timer on my side. If you want to start the timer, or I wonder, can we? I mean, I can start. We are completely unprepared right now. I'm really. <laughs> I'm gonna have a full day on the editing room. I have a timer right here. Can I'm going to start? Okay. Uh, let me just turn this volume up a bit. 
Okay. Going to start. Three, two, one. Oh, okay. Hello, everyone. Welcome. I'm going to be prosecuting the case against Grissom. Was he a good supervisor? No. I'm going to flat out start this by saying that yes, he is in fact a dumbass. If you follow me on Twitter, I call him a dumbass at least five times per episode. And I'm running out of episodes to call him a dumbass because I'm season nine already. Was he a good supervisor? No, he was not. Why? Okay, first of all, he clearly couldn't manage his team. Okay, his team was, was a good team, you know, best of the best. And all of their fields, although Warwick Field doesn't really match it with everything he was doing in the entire show. But he couldn't delegate. So you, see, you know, there was no communication between them. You know, we can see that clearly when in season seven, my masterpiece, my Mona Lisa, whatever you want to call it, he left, he flat out left, didn't tell anyone that the same about it, only told them when he was already leaving. And when he decided to leave in season nine, he was just like, oh, I'm just going to pop in real quickly, just say that I'm leaving. Peace out. Catherine's going to be your supervisor now. Oh, there's a there's another case. Okay, I'll just handle like my last home run before I go uh fuck off to Costa Rica. There's no communication. He couldn't communicate. He couldn't communicate with his team. So how would he expect his team to communicate? Okay, he couldn't delegate things either. Okay, and also was he a good boyfriend to Sarah? Relatable. He he wasn't really uh good, but we're not gonna touch on that. Also, if we're gonna have to say something, he actually favors Catherine. He favors Catherine. Catherine used the lab. He used the, the lab to confirm that she was Sam Brown's daughter. And he didn't put it up on the I don't know, there's some file that he could have he could have written that off. He didn't. He didn't do it. And when Nick got kidnapped, everyone was stressed out. But when everyone was stressed out, they turned to their leader, you know, to be calm about the situation, controlling the situation. He was flat out having a panic attack, you know, listening to the tape, seeing, you know, seeing poor Nicky Boy through a computer screen, you know. Uh, I know he he could identify which species of ants were over Nicky Boy, but that's not the point. The point is, he wasn't a good supervisor. He couldn't keep his shit together. And also, whenever Hodges would try to learned something from him, he would flat out say something bad, or like, oh, no, I just, I don't want to be a friend. Oh, was it good when we work in the miniature case? Right, right, David? Just, just process this fish things that really are smelly, and I don't want to know, because I actually have a girlfriend to come back home to, so, you know, you can just do this shit alone, right? You know? And also, can we just say how he never told his team about his hearing problem. I know, I know, invisible illness, I know I'm the last person to point fingers at, but like, he didn't trust his team. He couldn't trust his team with his wife, and he expected his team to trust him with theirs. Really? And also, he only, he only loved two CSIs from his whole team, Sarah and Warwick, and I don't even know if that's actually the order that he loved them. And whenever he was having a problem, he tended to internalize everything. Didn't share his feelings. I know it's hard for, for people to, to share whatever they are feeling, but he was uncomfortable around his team. When, when he asked Sarah to, to stay in Vegas to help, to help his team, you know, to stabilize everything, when she eventually took the job, 
people were a bit cold towards her. She was all alone. The only person she knew in Vegas was Grissom. Did he care about her after he got her to stay? Did he? No, he didn't. Okay, I know they had a history in San Francisco and all that, but at that point, he was the only friend that she had, and he didn't give a single F about her. And also, putting Catherine or Warwick was throwing stones at her. He couldn't care less. And also, whenever somebody in the team fucked up something, and he found out, like, in that case, in the, the deaf boy who got killed, and the investigation led them to the deaf university. Sarah and Warwick made a mistake on that investigation. Was it Sarah and Warwick or Sarah and Nick? I, I don't remember, but they made a mistake, and they apologized. And instead of being like, okay, you made a mistake, you apologize, you learned something. Okay, no, he was cold towards him. Literally, literally cold, like, what? They work for you, sir, and they're also your students. You were not supposed to be as jackass about it. I know if it's something, if there's something about academia and men, that they just, they are just fucking rude towards women. And I, I've been on this side, but whatever. He was flat out rude to them. How is that a good leader? He couldn't delegate. He couldn't communicate. And he was a bad leader. Grissom, my dear, I love you, but... <laughs> Maybe um, Ackley was kind of right about who you were as a leader. Maybe it would have worked better with everyone if you were just a CSI. Okay, I'm done. Anna, you can go. You have two minutes to swear. Okay, okay, hold on. I was taking notes while you were talking. Wait, <laughs> I was wait, you were taking notes? On the phone. I was, because I, I was like, well, I, well, no, I wanted to find things that you were talking about that I wanted to rebut, okay? Hold up. Let me set okay. the timer again. Three, two, one. Okay, wait, go wait, 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 let me, let me reset it. Ready? And go, okay. Okay, all right. So uh, I would like to start my defense with what we all know and what I think we all need to keep in mind was... Grissom did not intend to be the supervisor from the beginning, okay? He was forced. It was forced upon him. So we weren't given, he was not given ample time to get himself prepared and I guess create his managerial style, we would say, we can say, because he was just the like head CSI. We, for all we know, we're going to say for all intents and purposes today, he was just lead CSI. So he went from one day being that to the next day. Now he runs the entire crime lab. So, you know, it was a lot. I'm not saying that there weren't some bumpy some bumpy parts there. There were, obviously. I will have to say that he also did help to train and mentor some of the best CSIs that came out of the LVPD. The rest of the crime world can, or the crime world, the rest of the, you know, criminalistics um, world can, can thank him. You know, I don't know what I'm trying to say there. Anyway, also, as opposed to how you said he sorry, was closed off. about the crime world. Yeah, you know what? The crime world does have him to thank because they, uh, they didn't get away with anything when he was around. Anyway, or the people that he trained. Anyway. As opposed to what you were saying, where you said that he was closed off, I would like to counter with, he was the best at compartmentalizing, which is a key thing to have in their line of work and in their in that field, because you need to be able to compartmentalize, to be able to wake up every day and go to work, to be able to know that you're not always going to find the bad guy. You have to do the job, no matter what the outcome is, and be able to be okay with that. And that's what he always trained his people to do, much to the detriment of, you know, their emotions and oftentimes, like, Yes, it would lead to poor communication on other people's part as well as his part, but that wasn't due completely solely on his part. You know, there were other people that were always somehow in line that could have communicated just as well as he did, but nobody did. So blame does not fall solely on him, falls on everybody. 
Also, n- nobody, know, nobody knows how to communicate properly. Give me a good adult that knows how to communicate properly. I don't know him. Um, he did, he kept Sarah the core values of the protest. Oh, okay, yes. Sarah was yeah, dropping Paul's. hints that he, she wanted to have a relationship with him. She was dropping hints. See, okay, now you say that, but I don't see how that has to do anything with that with him being a good supervisor or not. In fact, I think the fact that he continually chose not to be in a relationship with her proved to how how much he was a better supervisor because he was putting his job ahead of what the eventual fallout would be, and it was eventual fallout if he were to fall in love with and date a subordinate. Now, there were ways they could have gotten around it, but even he knew, and she did too, that it, at the heart of everything, if they had gotten together as early on or any time before they actually did, it would have it could have essentially ruined everything for everybody in a number of ways, you know? They, she could have been put to a different, you know, shift. Hell, she could have been transferred out somewhere. He could have been fired. Someone else could have been put in charge. A myriad of things. But they both knew he knew, you know? Gotta be a good CSI. Gotta stay on this job. Gotta keep... And this goes into my next topic. He made sure that the core values of what being a CSI, which were the evidence never lies, he made sure that no matter what, all of his people knew and they lived by that, like, code, I guess you could say, to the detriment of themselves. Yeah, his mantra, his motto, you know, whatever you want to call it. But he also made sure that they they knew that at the end of the day, their jobs were to follow the evidence, no matter what, you know, else anybody said or what else the world told them to do or what else they, you know, their hearts told them to do. They had to follow what the evidence. And, you know, it, it was it was a very, you know, big juxtaposition to how the other, you know, shift leaders were. Catherine was Catherine was left. She was left holding the bag. That was a flaming hot mess. That was that lab. In, in his absence, in Ray's absence, in the absence of a bunch of other things. So I wouldn't necessarily, like, compare her to, like, his leadership style purely because there's a lot of other things in play there. Ray, on the other hand, what the fuck? I, ellipses there, because don't even get me started on that. But And then DB, while, yes, being a good supervisor, was more concerned with trying to put that family and that team back together and with mentoring people like Sarah rather than making sure that they focused on the key attributes of what it took to be a CSI and to be a good criminalist. And so I feel like that's where Grissom elevated everything and was able to make sure that, you know, without a shadow of a doubt, all of his people always knew they knew that that was what their jobs were. They knew that whatever the difference is, you know, whoever was leading them, that was what they were to do, even when he wasn't around, which they proved, you know, time and time again, even when he wasn't around, they were still able to, you know, figure things out and, you know, seek the truth, I guess, without sounding too X-Filesy. And then what was my other point? Well, another reason as to why he what would make him a good supervisor, his connection to his CSIs at the same time. While hesitant and reticent at the beginning to form those like personal connections, because like I said, compartmentalization is key when it comes to this job. You know, you also have to let people in. You know, you got to like, what does Catherine say? You got to lift yourself out of that microscope for the betterment of your team and to make yourself a better supervisor. If you get to know your team members correctly, you get to know everybody on a personal level, maybe not on like a deep level. Some of those lab techs, he didn't really, he didn't hang out with them on the weekends, but he knew who they were. He knew their, some of their interests. He knew their personality types. Knowing those kinds of things can make you a better leader because you're able to cohesively communicate even if it's not the best, you can still cohesively communicate with the people that you're leading. You can make a, you can make for a really good work environment because you know what needs to be done when. Even if you're bad at paperwork and love to avoid it like he does, you can still do things in a way where people enjoy coming into work. But he made sure that like the people that worked at least the night shift, I'm assuming other shifts as well, we don't know for a fact, but at least the graveyard shift, those people on that shift, they enjoyed coming into work, they enjoyed doing their jobs, and they enjoyed helping the like the Las Vegas crime lab further itself and continue to be the, you know, the greatest crime lab in the country. Right? That's what they are, right? They're not and the busiest. They're the busiest, right? Then the, the busiest. 
They were the first behind FBI. Yeah, they're the first behind the FBI, but they're the busiest. And yeah, so they're basically the, the, the best publicly accessed, you know, not federally governed or like run by the government. So yeah, all that being said, we'll just bring this around again. My guy was great at compartmentalizing, which helped him know when to get the job done, helped show his people and how to be an effective leader. Also showed, every, showed them that it, politics isn't key and it's not a popularity contest, no matter what other people let you, will, will lead you to believe. Because even without being the most popular, you know, with, you know, the higher ups in, you know, the crime lab or like just the justice system, you can still do an effective job and lead people. And all of his people loved him no matter what. And that was proven because you didn't see people fucking doing shit when Eckley left. You didn't, you didn't see, you know, that being a motive. And then lastly, I'm just going to end with, he did help train some of the best CSIs that we had on the show. So, you know, there. And with that, I cede my time. With like a minute in, left. Any rebuttals? So, okay. So you said about follow the evidence. Okay. What about season 16? Was he following the evidence? Yes, but he oh, was talking about immortality. You're talking about immortality. I don't yeah, know why. Okay. Okay. I'm starting the timer. Yeah. yeah. Supervisor. That was I my know next he question. wasn't Thank a supervisor, but I'm just saying that he contradicted himself because he kept going on and on and on about follow the evidence, follow the evidence on the nine years that he ran the Las Vegas crime lab. And when it came to helping his friend five years later, six years later, I don't know. When it came to helping his friend who his ex-wife didn't know anything about, as long as she, as far as she knew, they could have had an affair. And I'll come to, okay, go ahead. No, continue, continue. I have my counter. And he, like Sarah said, and immortality, he was busy. he was contradicting himself. He was going on and on about following the evidence, and he was trying to tell a different story with the evidence that they had, but that wasn't what the evidence was telling them. Also, in the shooting episode, was the shooting episode in season six? Yeah, what, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, season six, yeah. right? Because Nick was kidnapped in season five, Sarah was kidnapped in season seven, we had the shooting in season six. Sophia, I know Sophia shouldn't be there at the lab because he was, she wasn't allowed to be there. But she was working for Grissom at that point. She no, she had been working with Grissom and for Grissom for a while. And she wasn't working for Grissom. She was a cop by then. Yeah, but she, but she had worked as a CSI with him, and they had developed a friendship. He was the supervisor. Uh, she was looking for comfort. And instead of flat out saying leave, because you cannot be here, we cannot share any information. You know, all this investigation could go down the drain. Because you're here, he didn't say anything, and he stood, he literally just watched while Sarah kicked her out. And also, being a leader is about being good at politics. Since when is Grissom good at politics? Since when is he good at politics? You know, the Strip Strangle episode, uh, the season finale of season one, when the sheriff announced that they had gotten the Strip Strangler, Grissom's like, no, they didn't get in because... He is wrong and just went out stating the facts, you know, to the journalist and then he was suspended. That that is not good at being that is not being good at politics. And Catherine told him herself, You have to be good at politics. Was he good? No. Okay, well no, he didn't want an Eckley's job. He didn't want it. He wanted to be a, a supervisor, but he wasn't he was really bad at politics. Okay. I'm done. Five, six minutes is fair.
Sorry, I thought I was hitting on mute, but I hit a different button. Okay, let me see. I am, let me start with first, we'll start with the immortality bit. I counter that with, yes, uh, you say that like at that point he wasn't, you know, saying to follow, uh, you know, that, you know, the evidence never lies and, uh, and was contradicting himself all throughout that episode. Now I would counter that with, I would also like to say and think that after spending years working with the crime lab, even he knows that sometimes there are points where the evidence can say one thing, but someone can be completely innocent and truthful, and they just have to work harder to find the evidence to prove that. So I would also like to counter with that he knew that his friend, there was no way his friend could have been involved. While yes, we all assume that yes, there is always a chance that his friend could have been involved. I do think that coming in and yes, having been friends with this person for a very long time, he was he was slightly biased towards that. But he also believed that at the end of the day, this person couldn't possibly be the, the, the ringleader to all of this. So he was just reminding his friends and co former colleagues and ex-wives <laughs> that yes while the evidence currently is telling you this thing if we keep looking there are i'm sure there has to be something out there that would prove that this person is in fact innocent although i would also like to say that if they did in fact end up finding proof that she had been in, had been guilty i'm sure he would have changed his mind or and or if by the end of the episode they had even arrested her and she had been sentenced towards something i don't think he would have continued on that like she's innocent i think he would have succeeded and been like you know what I may have been incorrect in believing that this person was innocent. She must, she must have had something to do with that. And, you know, again, I'm going to repeat, like you said, yes, he didn't want it. He didn't need to be good at the politics of it all. I honestly don't think that he saw himself working his way up the ladder there. And even, and that being said, sorry, to be yourself. Um, I don't think he saw himself working at that crime lab forever. You know, I'm sure he assumed at one point or another, he would be retiring more than likely to pre leaving to Costa Rica probably teach somewhere not you know going off to become an eco-terrorist and everything else but i like to think that he would that he even then that his time at the lab was it was you know it wasn't permanent he just knew that he had to do the best that he could in the short amount of time he would be there i'm done okay okay so, i have okay i have a rebound can i can i just say okay let me start my <laughs> sorry he was a bad teacher to his team if he didn't teach them that the evidence could be misleading that that's the whole point of the season one of csi vegas there was this whole bunch of evidence pointing towards hodges and kind of like Grissom kind of went against his own teachings in a way that i mean not him sarah right he went down with her but she was mainly the the one person who would go against it but if he didn't teach his team that the evidence could be misleading, could have been planted, how does how, how good of a CSI was he? And how would that impact his whole team? And because they all knew how to be CSIs, but they had this leader who would delegate things to them. If he didn't teach them that, oh, okay, you see this here? this fingerprints can't be planted, you know, because, like, Homelander could have planted his fingerprints. Did he sit around with his team and say, well, my fingerprint was found at this crime scene, but obviously it wasn't me because I'm only at two places, my home or here. But he didn't teach them, well, there's, like, this silicone that looks like skin and that, uh, I don't know, uh, my, my fingerprints ended up on this silicone glove and was planted somewhere else we never saw him doing that on screen we never saw him 
telling anyone that evidence could have been faked. And maybe if he had teach his students that that could have been done, maybe for them and not wouldn't have happened or would have had gone a completely different way because if Nikki Boy was Grissom's best student that he's all as he always said, as Grissom told told him that Nick was his best student, he should have seen that the evidence was faked, was totally planted. Couldn't see it until somebody else pointed that out. Just saying it. Okay. Okay, I'm done. Okay, okay. Um I will rebut this with one with with I'll come I'll I'll rebut towards what you were saying about him coming back in the Vegas era and sort of I'm assuming you were trying to go with the fact that he was sort of hands off with everything and rather than being the good supervisor that we know him to be to actually help, he was very standoffish with trying to join in. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Now, okay. Just wanted to make sure that, 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 I, that I got that clear. Now, I would also like to counter that with the idea that having spent all of his time away, he knew that going back to Vegas, he could very easily fall back into similar patterns that clearly weren't good for him personally in the long run. Well, yes, they may have been good for him professionally at the time back then. In the long run, from a personal standpoint, they weren't very good. And I mean that just so far as to say he knew that he couldn't be with Sarah whenever he wanted to be. They did end up together. And even so far as it led to the eventual demise of their marriage the first time around. So this time he taught everyone how to be the best CSI that they knew how. He taught, you know, everyone he knew how to compartmentalize and things like that, even to his own detriment. But he knew that coming back, it could lead to them reverting, him, not them, and maybe even them on some level, reverting back to the old, to their old selves. And while being helpful for them, yes, it may have been helpful for the Hodge investigation from the get-go and things like that. It could have also set them back personally so much. And I don't think they really wanted that. Or I don't think he really wanted that. Like he probably realized, yes, he could step in and sort of take, you know, everyone at this lab under his wing to show everyone this. Sure, it would have been great, you know, but also at the same time, he has to know, you know, he's realized now that he's stepped away from this all and he doesn't have a place there really anymore. Yes, we all know and love him as, you know, you know, Grissom, the man, the myth, the legend, but it has been a very long time since he's actually been there. So he really, it doesn't, he doesn't have like a tenured experience there to be able to step back into and go, okay, I'm back. Let me help you guys. They're going to be like, who are you? We know your wife more than we know you. And now, now, now that being said, also going back towards season one, season one, Grissom, like I said, my guy didn't know how to leave. He was learning how to leave throughout that season. By the end, he begins to form the family. And I think had the events of season one happened, maybe later on, maybe season two, maybe three, four, five, oh, I don't know, maybe, you know, six or seven, he would have perhaps been able to shed some light on the idea of like, hi, team, let me show you how and why these things happened and why like my, you know, fingerprint, like you said, ended up on this and how that's clear sign of like tampering or things of the other, you know, other things of that nature. I'm not done so I can catch my breath. Carl, you also have one more rebuttal left. I do? Okay, I'm gonna finish this with Grissom is a dumbass, as I previously said before. He would go off to face serial killers or just killers without backup, without his team. And nothing would, something would happen and then what? Like in season five, when he went to deliver the money to that man who I don't recall the name right now, uh, but he went to deliver the money and the man blew, blew himself up. 
nothing was mentioned about his hearing problem and his team was completely crumbling down and he's like okay guys so this happened now what like no scene of how okay let's get our shit together because someone from our team is missing and we need to find them where was this energy we've only seen that energy in season in the end of season seven that that wasn't grissom the supervisor leading the team that was grissom Sarah's boyfriend who was who was leading the team and in a way if that if grissom from season one was leading the team from season seven maybe they could have found sarah a bit early you know maybe if he hadn't lost control with natalie davis and the interrogation room but he did we've never seen him losing control like this except maybe butterflies when he confronted the doctor but there wasn't really it wasn't really a confrontation i mean there was almost as if he he was saying all of his story with sarah but in the end he wasn't a good supervisor i think he was a good csi but i don't think he was meant to lead a team like that because he couldn't delegate he couldn't communicate and okay i think actually would have done a better job but then as a supervisor but then again actually led the led the day shift and there isn't there is not a lot of crime happening during the day all most of them happen during the night it's it's actually a it's actually a fact i actually did some research on that and most of the crimes happens during the night not during the day so there isn't a lot of crime happening during the days so i don't know maybe that's why actually got his cases solved quickly i don't know but in the end of the day i don't think Kristen was a good was a good leader i think db was a better leader than him Hmm. Do I have another rebuttal, or do we end, or do I have like a closing argument? I guess. Actually, everybody should have a closing argument. Okay. Because that's how debates work. Is there is a closing argument? I guess I'll do my closing. In my closing argument, I would just like to. I'll reiterate the fact that I think even though this was thrust upon him at the last moment, I think he grew to become uh, one of the better, if not the best. No, 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 no. One of the better, let's be real, because Maxine Roby is, is, is currently is, one. Oh, no. Right now, no. You know, oh, she's you know, <laughs> number one, number one. But anyway, uh, is one of the best supervisors of, of the Las Vegas Crime Lab. And I would like to say, because I think he was able to bring enough of himself to the job in that he was able to bring enough of his expertise and his wealth of knowledge in to help you know lead and mentor these people and even to bring some of his own personal touches in you know towards it his methodology may have been odd yes but i feel like it worked and he was able to connect with these people on all sorts of levels and then i would also like to say that you know again he really did he had the core value of the evidence never lies he really like he hammered it in he made sure that everybody in that you know in that lab knew that and even coming back so many years later he still knew that at the detriment of his own the growth, his own personal growth and his relationships that even his expertise would come in handy and eventually led to them finding, you know, Hodges and saving a life. But yes, and with that, I will wrap up. Wait, not to me? Yes. Yes. Oh, okay. So for my closing argument, Grissom was not a good supervisor by the arguments that 
I've pointed out before. I don't think he was a good supervisor. Maybe he was a good leader. I don't know. But I think in, in time of stress, and like when Nick got kidnapped, or when Sarah got kidnapped, or, you know, when that happened to when Greg was ran over, you know, he was... He was a bit more controlled, but I don't think he would have been, he, he was made for the supervisor thing because he couldn't delegate. He had to, like in season one, he said, everybody's giving me papers, but nobody wants me to solve crimes. Obviously, because being a supervisor entitles you to solve crime, but most of the time you're going to be dealing with bureaucracy, you know, signing papers. I know everybody giving you their reports on the crimes. And, uh, and also, man, you worked on the busiest shift of the Las Vegas Crime Lab. Of course, there's going to be a bunch of paper and bureaucracy for you to work on. Not a lot of crime for you to solve, but then again, he did solve a bunch of crimes. Some of them did go unsolved, but he couldn't communicate, he couldn't delegate, and stuff would happen, and he'd be like, okay, now I'm pissing out, bye! That's how we ended up with Ray. So that's it. That's the end of your closing. Yeah, I'm gonna to say something just to close out. He's a dumbass. Grissom is a dumbass. Okay, now I'm good. I henceforth will think about my deliberation. Huh. <laughs> While speaking out loud about it. So Grissom may have been an idiot, but he wasn't a dumbass. <laughs> he was an idiot whenever he went to serial killers by himself. Yes, he played favorites with Catherine, i.e. the DNA testing, i.e. not telling that she was possibly raped. He always got, like, Catherine got off scot-free, but he also did with Sarah sometimes. He also, in season one, he also proved that the evidence lied with the Beatles. With Sarah. He proved that. Well... Oh yeah, that episode. Sorry, it's almost three a.m. My brain is not functioning right now. No, that was, that was actually would have been an argument for Annalisa how he did teach them about evidence lying early at season one. <laughs> yeah, he was actually more of a gray supervisor. Those times he wasn't great, but those times he was amazing at it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I'm not disagreeing. It's clearly, I, yeah, yeah. Because. Everybody had the good points and the bad points, as a leader yeah. or a supervisor. Some more than others. <laughs> but also, look how well, look how many people left when he was a supervisor. No, oh, yeah. Ex excluding a mental breakdown. Because one of the marks of a good supervisor, a good leader, is people staying on your team. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right, yeah, I agree, 5,000 percent. And as I and I did mention both of you, at least one of both of your points, right? Yes, you did. Yes, you did. Good. Yeah, because it's true to me. He was he was great. You know, I really like him as a character. I I relate a lot to to him. As I said before in the show, I am I am for Sarah, but I ended up in Grissom. Not sure how that happened, but I mean. 
I think Davey was a better supervisor than he was, but I mean, I, I really love Grissom. Max is better. Well, yeah, Max is better. In the end of the day, at the end of the day, um, Max we're talking the better supervisor. Yeah, more who's the more superior? Who's the most superior of the supervisors? It's Maxine Roby. Like, yeah. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. Worst part is we've only seen her for ten episodes, and we've seen all of these people for twenty plus. <laughs> Actually, fifty plus. Oh no, I was averaging for everybody. Because so see, half season nine, ten, and eleven for Catherine. Yeah. Seasons twelve through fifteen for Russell. And then seasons one to nine point half of us half of us half of the first of the ninth season. Yeah. So yeah, like, like, like around twenty at least at least twenty per person. And I only say twenty because I don't want to give it a giant number. Just because we've only had ten of Vegas. Which we're yeah. getting more. <sighs> oh, at the end of the day, guys, Max Ruby is a great supervisor. She's the best supervisor. So I think we can wrap it up, right? Okay, we're gonna be coming back next week. If you want to, you can drop a DM and tell us which maybe controversial team you want us to be up for a debate. We're gonna do it. Don't worry. Stay and safe, everyone. But half-assed planning at this time. We're gonna be. We're gonna plan better next week we promise we love you guys stay safe everyone yeah everybody and i'll see you next week bye love you bye everyone